Are you a pastor or ministry leader? Are you thinking of making a transition from your current ministry position? Before you do, take some time in a quiet place to reconnect with God. Focus on the Family Canada has designed a renewal retreat for couples in ministry. Come visit us at Kareth Retreats, a quiet sanctuary where you can receive from God and deepen your connection to Him, your spouse, and your calling. Find rest, find renewal, find reconnection with God. Find out more at karethretreats.ca. I've realized God is not a computer program. I used to think if I'm good, if I do this, 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 he's obligated to do this, 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 and this for me. That's not him. He actually has a personality. Well, I wonder if you've ever thought about God that way. We've got more insights and some provocative thoughts along the way from radio personality and author Brant Hansen for you. Uh, thanks for joining us for Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President Jim Daly. John, this is a great message about God's grace and mercy and the fact that we can trust him to care for us. And I know it will be a blessing to you today. Uh, Brand Hansen is best known for his quirky and offbeat radio show, which airs on many of these stations. And he also hosts a podcast called The Brant and Sherry Oddcast. And that's with his friend and producer, Sherry Lynn. Here now is Brant Hansen speaking at a conference hosted by our Boundless team, which is our outreach to young adults. And we're picking up as Brant introduces himself to the audience. Uh, Here he is on today's Focus on the Family. I talk about the fact that I have something called Asperger's Syndrome. How many people have Asperger's in here? Anyone? Yes. You are my people. Um, There's something, uh, just to explain what it is, because it it is helpful, um, I don't use body language right. Like some people pick up on cues. I guess normal humans pick up on cues, body language and stuff. I use the wrong ones. My wife has been really helpful with this. She's explained to me, Brant, don't stand like this. I'm like, why not? (laughs) I don't understand. Because my favorite person on Star Trek Next Generation stands like this. (laughs) Data. She said, don't stand like that, because normal people, apparently this is true, normal people don't evenly displace their weight like that. Like, I'm thinking this is the most efficient use of both of my legs. (laughs) And she said, you're a lot more approachable, Brant, if you don't stand like that. If you bend your leg just a little bit like this, and then do this. (laughs) And then I say, what up? (laughs) And she said that people will approach, and sure enough, it works. So people like me now, and um, it's all because of this little move. So uh, I have all sorts of little quirks and things, but what I have seen is that while being an Aspie, that's what we call ourselves, can be painful in middle school, for instance, and in high school as well, what I have seen is that God takes your weaknesses and He uses them to His, to his glory. Like, He looks good as a result of them. He changes you in other areas because of your weaknesses. I've seen it over and over, and I've seen it in my own life too. And I went to the University of Illinois, and while I was there, I was like in a reporting class, and I had this really hardcore professor who was a former White House correspondent for CBS News and all this stuff. And anyway, I'm driving home from some friends, and this whole huge class building on campus is engulfed in flames. I mean, a giant, huge fireball into the sky. There's no uh, fire engines. There's no police. There's no nobody there. It's just a huge burning building. Nothing. I'm like, 
oh, I'll cover this. I'll get some extra credit. So I drove home, which was like two blocks away. And then I was like, okay, I need a pencil. I need some paper. I'm going to go cover this story. This is totally true, by the way. And I grabbed a pencil and I ran out the door and I went the back way so that I wouldn't, you know, I'd get there faster and I went through the bushes and stuff. And as I'm getting there, this, you know, this building's like in flames and I see, oh, the, the fire, the police are getting there now. So I just decided I don't want to get in their way because I'm not that kind of person. So I just decided I'd lurk in the bushes and watch. <laughs> yeah. How come you guys are so quick to put this together? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. So anyway, about 10 minutes later, I'm in the back of the squad car. And they're like, so why did you set fire to this um, thing? I'm like, I didn't set fire to it. I'm covering it. That's why I got my pencil here. You're covering it. So you brought a pencil. Where's your paper? I forgot paper. But seriously. So they went home and they took all my clothes and they, I was their suspect for arson. And um, I went in the next day to my professor. And I'm like, did you... Did you ever get to the scene of a crime so fast that they arrested you for it? <laughs> he, he literally left the room to go laugh in the hallway. So I became a youth pastor. And one thing about you, I really enjoyed youth ministry. It was weird because I'm not that social, but I really did enjoy it. Um, and I was always like, okay, guys, let's talk about prayer. Prayer is where it's at. You got to pray, pray, pray. It's all about prayer. Really, the whole Christian life is about prayer. Okay, and then the next month, you know what? It's all about giving to the poor. That's what the whole Christian, the whole Christian life, you got to be give, give, give. Okay, okay. missions trips. Okay, it's giving mission. Okay, no, it's about worship. It's really all about worship. It's all about worship. And I finally had a kid, a really smart kid. He said one day, he's like, hey, can you, um, can you help me with something? Because we've got all this stuff we're supposed to be doing. Um, can you like put it in some logical way so I can keep track of how I'm doing with God? And so I actually made a chart. I made this for my youth group. I'm like, okay, all right, I figured it all out. There's eight areas. If you get all these areas going, then God's going to be, you know, now you're doing all right. Now you're doing good. Just keep these eight areas going. You got to attend church, evangelize. Obviously, that's core. Okay. Uh, Bible study, duh. It's all about Bible study. And ministry, you got to be in a ministry group. Duh, hello. Um, also, tithing, obviously. Uh, missions trips. I mean, come on. Uh, small groups. So if you're doing enough small groups and you're praying enough and you're going to church and you're evangelizing and you're doing Bible study and you're plugged into ministry and you're tithing, you're probably doing okay with God. And the kids are like, oh, good, finally, I got a pie chart. <laughs> I finally understand what this relationship with God looks like thanks to this chart that you've made for us with your computer. So I spent like 40 hours making that thing, my entire work week at church. I regret this so much. I honestly do. This is a lie. This is a lie. God is better than this. I want the one thing to be, if I could just tell you one thing that I have learned. And believe me, I was raised in church I never really understood how good God was. I'm still beginning to understand it, but I'm just beginning. He's way better than I thought because I thought he was about this. And I thought I would please him if I was doing enough of these eight things. He's much better than this. One of the things as a dad, I've seen my kids grow up, um, 
is trying to impress on them that, yeah, there's things I want them to do, but my love isn't dependent on it. Their status as my child doesn't change based on their behavior. It doesn't change. I told them a story, and by the way, this is the world's worst bedtime story. If you have kids, don't tell them this story. It's actually in a book called A Severe Mercy by Sheldon Von Aachen, who was a friend of C.S. Lewis. It's about two dogs, Snowball and Gypsy, and they live in the country, and it's like one of those idyllic dog settings where they get hills to run around on, and they get streams to jump over, and they get to do all sorts of cool dog stuff, and their master's really good to them, really good. What he demands of them is when he calls dinner, Snowball, Gypsy, it's dinner time. When he calls them, they got to come right then. That's what he demands of them. And of course they do. And one day, a rabbit ran across Gypsy's path right as the master was calling for them to come inside. And she was like, oh, I'd like to chase after this rabbit. She didn't. She held off, resisted the temptation, ran in, but she was thinking about it. And the next day it happened again. And this time she thought, I'd like to chase after the rabbit. So she did. And it changed things with the master because the master didn't trust her. He was very disappointed. She came in with her tail between her legs. She came in late for dinner, but it was kind of exciting. So the next time it happened, it was a little bit easier for her to go out and chase after that rabbit. And pretty soon, I'm telling my kids this, Gypsy's on a leash. She can't romp like she used to. She can't be trusted. So now her master's got her on a leash. And you know what, kids? One day, he took them out into the country to take them for a walk, the master did, and he got them out of the, out of the car near the woods. And Gypsy's like, oh, I can get loose. Freedom. And she darted out of that car and she raced into the woods and she ran and she ran and she ran and she could hear her master calling, Gypsy, 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 until she couldn't hear him anymore. And then it was lo- she was lost and the sun went down and she was cold And the master was so disappointed, but he got Snowball back, and he put Snowball in the car, and he drove away. Gypsy lived in the woods, and she had puppies. Her fur was matted, and she was a mess. But she lived in the woods, and she had puppies, and she told the puppies about the master. She told them stories about this good master, and so they heard stories. But then they grew up, and it was just stories to them. And they sort of told their puppies, and those puppies grew up. And then their puppies didn't even know the master anymore. And that's the end of the story. And the reason I told my kids this, I'm actually glad I did because they remember it. But I want them to remember, you know, the master's really good. Even if we've forgotten it, even if we've gotten away from him or we've made choices to deviate from him, he's actually good. He gives us freedom to walk away from him. Jesus does that with everybody. It's remarkable. 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 One guy told him no. Um, Jesus said you need to, he asked him a question. Jesus said, well, here's what you need to do. And the guy's like, no, I'm not doing that. And it says Jesus watched him walk off and loved him. But he gives us freedom and you can walk away. But he's good. It doesn't make him bad that people have walked away. He's really good. What changed my heart on this since I've been 30 years old is I've realized God is not an iMac. He is not a MacBook. He is not a, uh, a computer program. I used to think if I'm good, if I do this, 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 he's obligated to do this, 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 and this for me. That's not him. He actually has a personality. We think of him as these precepts, like we relate to priests. God loves everyone. You know what? He does love everyone, but he doesn't look at us the same. Some people have a certain relationship with him that others don't. 
What I mean by that, widows, the rejected, people scorned, uh, the poor, the fatherless, the people without a home, it's clear throughout the Bible, these people have a special relationship with God that other people don't have. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. In Haggai 2.8, God said, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Since silver and gold were used as money, God is saying that all money is His, and therefore we are stewards of the money that God has entrusted to us. God is the owner. In Psalms 50, 7-12, God reminded His people, Hear, O my people, I am God, your God, for every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. For the world is mine, and all that is in it. In other words, God owns absolutely everything, and therefore we are stewards or managers of the money and material things that God has entrusted to us for the relatively short time compared to eternity that we are on this earth. In summary, as God's stewards, we must utilize money and material things according to God's principles and God's will. To learn more, check out BibleFinance.org. This year, Focus on the Family Canada celebrates 40 years of ministry. Since 1983, we've aired more than 100 million minutes of radio programming in Canada. Our website has welcomed over 11 million visitors. We've prayed for a million people and answered more than 70,000 counseling calls. We aim to help families like yours thrive on the foundation of Jesus Christ. To join us in celebrating, visit focusonthefamily.ca forward slash four zero. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. I'm affluent. He doesn't look at me the same way as he does other people. I love this about him. I finally realized he's actually got a personality. He has things that he cares about. He has values, and they're not necessarily mine. But I love his values, and he's changing my heart, hopefully, to see what his are and align with them. Something happened. They sent me. It was a radio thing. I was supposed to go to Israel to visit a hospital. And then they were like, uh, no, we can't go there. We need you to go to Afghanistan. So I show up in Afghanistan at a cure hospital. I'm working for them now. I'm so sold on them. Look at this picture. They told me I was doing kangaroo duty. Like, can you do kangaroo duty? I'm like, <laughs> apparently uh, newborns and preemies need human contact. I didn't know anything about it. But they had me take care of a baby for, for a couple hours and just hold her. She was one pound, two ounces. And um, her name is Zakara. And I got to just sit there and ruminate and think about her. And they just need skin contact because they're in this ICU. She's an Afghan female. Highest infant mortality rate in the world. Highest maternal mortality rate in the world. Women are abused. Uh, they are considered a property. They have the lowest status of anyone in the world. I'm convinced of it. And here's an Afghan female who's a pound and I was holding this baby, and I'm thinking, is it true that God is such a God that he aligns himself with this girl more so than other people? Is it fair? I don't know, but I love it. I love that. He identifies himself with the underdog. This is what's so amazing. He actually says this. I've read this on the air on my Christian radio show. There's lots of stuff I can read directly out of the Bible. People will call me and argue with me about it. Christian people. 
They'll out-Bible me, they think. Like, it's, that's not in there. Yeah, it is. This is one of them. It's from Proverbs chapter 19. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and He will repay you. He identifies so strongly. If you're giving to the poor, God says you're giving to me. And what's so interesting about this, think about this with, with your life. Most people at this age, not terribly wealthy, but at some point you start to accrue a little bit more money. Where do I put it? Where do I invest? God says if you help the poor, you give to them, you're lending to him, he will repay you. I am not making that up. And I don't know how he's going to repay you or exactly what form that takes, but it's a 100% return rate. You can actually trust him. Oh, by the way, Jesus said if you've done something to one of the least of these brothers of mine, you've done it to me. He identifies with the least of these, with the dispossessed, with the lonely, with the widow, with the hurting, with the lost. He identifies with them. He becomes one with them. Here's another picture of that baby I just wanted to show you. By the way, I, I met her a few years ago, and I went back last year, and she survived. She had actually had internal surgery before this picture was taken. And her, they thought she had about a 5% rate of survival, and I got to meet and play with her. She's a toddler. I thought that was so sweet. I just thought that was the neatest thing. Like, I can't believe this. Um, it's amazing that God would identify himself with that. For me, I love that. I don't want to just relate to precepts. His personality is such that he values this scrap of human life that has no power, no status, no money, isn't famous, and God identifies with that. To me, that's good news. If it's a God about your performance, how you're doing, are you keeping the eight pie chart things good? Are you doing a good job with that? That's not good news to me. This is good news. Can you ever relax? Can you ever actually enjoy God? A friend of mine told me this a few weeks ago. He's like, Brant, I think, you know what I think God's looking for? I think he just wants a spiritual people that he can spend time with. Like, remember the Israelites? He built a tent among them. This is a ragtag group of people. He built a tent. I want to live among you, he said. He loves us. He wants you. I've seen him be good to me. I keep thinking, too, I keep thinking, like, God's been so good to me, and I keep thinking the other shoe's going to drop. I don't know if you can relate to this at all. I feel like, okay, yeah, I've been blessed, but when does the big hammer drop where I pay the price for being a sinner? Because I still am deeply a sinner. When does he get even with me? And I was walking the dogs the other day, and for some reason a song popped into my head from being a kid in church. And the song goes, it's from Psalms. I think Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days, all the days of my life. And I never thought it was a great song. Like, that's in the Bible. His mercy is going to follow you the rest of your days. Do you understand that? No other shoes dropping. He's actually good. I found the most unbelievable scripture. And you guys might be familiar with this. But there's a scripture where Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If it weren't so, I would tell you. Okay, so maybe you're familiar with that. It's in John. I think it's John 14 or something like that. Well, what you don't know probably 
Because this chapter starts that way. The preceding chapter, John 13, the story is he's talking to Peter, so, excuse me, at the Last Supper. He's at the Last Supper. And Peter is saying, oh, I'll always be with you, Jesus. I'll always be right there with you. And um, Jesus says, no, you're going to betray me three times before the cock crows tonight. You're going to betray me three times. And the chapter ends. And then the next chapter starts. But don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. If it weren't so, I would tell you. We don't put those two things together because somebody stupidly put a chapter break in there. And who knows why? So I'd never put those two things together. Understand what he's saying. Do you realize how radical this is in your own life? I'll be with you forever. You're going to betray me. But don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. I'm thinking as Brad Hansen's sinner, could I hear Jesus actually say, I know. But don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm thinking, Brand Hansen, fake. When's somebody going to find me out that I'm, that I'm a sinner? My mind is not where it should be. I get to speak in front of people. I can look like a Christian, you know, like a really, like he's got it figured out kind of guy. When, when, when is the other shoe going to drop? And Jesus is saying, I know, but don't let your heart be troubled. Because I'm going to prepare a place for you. He wants us. You realize that? Fake person? thinking this shoe's going to drop. You know, he's actually really good. You know, he actually really, truly wants you. Another reason I love God, this little girl, she was in surgery in Afghanistan. I was, I was in the OR watching this girl be knit back together. She had a cleft palate, but it's just a little teeny kid. And, and uh, I was asking the doctor, Dr. Hashimi, what happens to her if she doesn't get this surgery? Well, she'll never have any status. She'll never go to school. She'll never have a future. She'll never have what every Afghan girl wants desperately. She'll never have a wedding. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. And Christians paid to have her surgery done. And as he was doing his last suture on this little girl, Dr. Hashimi said, he took the last suture and he cut it off. He goes, and now there'll be a wedding. I'm like, if that's the way God is, I love that God. And in fact, we do serve a God who loves weddings, loves them, promises everyone a big one, a big one. In fact, any wedding we have now is just a shadow. If you have one, great. If you don't, great. You're going to have a big one in one day. And it's all the ones we have now are just a shadow. What's going to happen? He loves weddings. The God I believe in loves little girls. The God I believe in identifies with them. You can actually trust him. I, uh, I'll tell you one more story, and then I'll be done. Um, I was, when my girl was young, I, had a, I have a little boy too, but they were both little, and we put him in the, we lived in Houston at the time. We had, they had this big rodeo. It seemed like they're always having a rodeo, but um, they had this big rodeo. It's Texas. Um, so, I was, we put them in the back seat of our car in, in their little seats and you buckle them in. It's this gigantic hassle. And you put them in there and we were driving all over town 
and I knew we were going to the rodeo at the Astrodome, but we had like 10 errands first. And so we're going here, we're going there, we're parking here, we're parking there, we're going to get back over here, back to the grocery store, get out, get in and out, in and out. And then I got on the freeway, and then there's lights behind me from a police car. I'm like, oh man, I didn't realize I was speeding. There's this strange guy comes to the door, and then, you know, he gives, gives daddy a ticket, and daddy's got a ticket, and then I start driving again. And about 10 minutes later, we're on the freeway. And remember, we've made 10 stops, there's been lights, there's been police, there's been all this stuff. And I hear this voice coming from the back seat. And my daughter says, hey, Dad. She's tiny. I'm like, what? I'm looking in the rearview mirror. Um, where are we going? Oh, I forgot to tell her where we're going. We're going to the rodeo. We're going to the rodeo. They had horses, lots of horses. Oh, good, 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 good. And it dawned on me, why in the world was she not thinking the whole time? Where are we going? Where are we going? What the heck's going on? Park here, park there, go here, go here, the police, what all this stuff. Why is she not panicked about this? I'm buckled in. <laughs> I cannot move. I'm going here, I'm going there. I'm going over here, I'm going over here. I'm going over here, there's funny lights, there's a police officer, my dad's upset, we're going here, we're going there. And then it dawned on me why she wasn't panicked by this. It's because she knows who the driver is and she knows... He loves her, right? Well, to me, if, if you know who the driver is and you know he loves you, why worry? There's something about humility, actually trusting. Look, do you believe God's in control of your life or not? Are you ever going to relax and actually believe that? Or is it constantly be chafing for position to accomplish something, to impress somebody? Who cares? Can you ever just enjoy him and realize just how good he is? And if the work's done, the work's done. And from here, see what happens. But he's good. Let's pray and I'll be done. God, I don't know if I expressed uh, things right, but I pray that you would align our hearts with yours. Father, forgive us for thinking we can impress you with the things we do or that it's about obligating you to do something for us if we're good. God, I want to just give that up forever. Thank you for being so good that you've, you've accomplished what needs accomplished, and it's done. It's finished. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's Brand Hansen on today's episode of Focus on the Family. And uh, boy, Jim, it's hard to... Uh, live the way that Brant was sharing about, to relax and trust God and just enjoy God's goodness. It really is, John. And I think there's something about our culture, especially in North America, maybe the U.S., I don't want to speak for Canada, but it pushes us into a lifestyle of always striving for that next thing, you know, the next promotion, the next purchase, the next upgrade. And that's not what uh, God wants for us. If you're in a time of life that is difficult, perhaps you're suffering and you really can't see God's goodness in your life, uh, give us a call. We would be honored to listen to you, to pray with you, and provide you with some insight and advice from a biblical perspective. And if you'd like to receive a call back from a counselor, we can make that happen as well. We want to be here for you. Right, and uh, our number is 800 a family 800-232-6459
And if you appreciated Brant's message today, I'd highly recommend his book called Blessed Are the Misfits. It's written for introverts like Brant who struggle to fit in with the typical American church culture, which often seems to be full of enthusiastic extroverts. Uh, Get a copy from us here at Focus on the Family Canada as you partner with us in ministry. Yeah, you can reach us when you call 800, the letter A in the word family, or you can donate online at focusonthefamily.ca and request Blessed Are the Misfits while you're there. When you get in touch, also ask about a CD of today's program, which has more content than we could provide for you today. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.